Hey guys, welcome to episode six of the Kind of an Expert podcast. My name is Corey Tyndall, and I am your host. Uh, happy to have you tune in this uh, for this episode. I this episode uh, I would say is pretty different than the other ones. I think it was a little more serious uh, than the other ones had been, and not in the same way that the relationship episode was serious. Uh, just in in the fact that uh, the topic of this episode was uh, anti-Semitism, which overall is a pretty heavy uh, topic, and so we we tried not to make too much light of it and we being me and uh my great guest eli haba uh who is also a comedian in new york city works at the grizzly pear comedy club down in uh the west village uh, or greenwich village i guess technically um and it kind of started off just because there are people that will go up to him uh and he is jewish and and say kind of anti-semitic things and kind of question uh, if a lot of the things that they say about Judaism is real, uh, namely the Holocaust. And so I wanted to do an episode with him on kind of what that was like. Uh, and, and it really turned into kind of a history podcast of how, uh, you know, how anti-Semitism started and, and how it spread so quickly and why, uh, it seems that Jewish people are kind of the default whenever hate groups uh, start coming up. Um, so it was a very interesting podcast. We start the first 10 minutes or so talking about comedy. Um, it's going to happen with some of the episodes. I'm sure you've noticed uh, if you've listened to all of them that comedy becomes kind of uh, the default starting topic as well as uh, we work since we record it in a we work in New York City. Um, but overall, this is, uh, more of a podcast. This episode is more of a podcast about history than it is comedy. So, so bear with us for 10 minutes and then we'll get into, uh, the main topic. I had a lot of fun, uh, recording this with Eli. His Instagram is Eli underscore Haba. Um, and you can find him again at the Grizzly Pear and all around the city. So please, uh, enjoy the episode. I can, I can, I know how to amplify and like kind of fix some little shit. Gotcha. So it's not, uh, it's not too big of a deal. Like as long as you're not fucking like waving around or like, yes, <laughs> the last same rules on stage. Uh, yeah, Hold it in front of your face, yeah, pretty much. And that was what I was about to say is like the last podcast I did without uh, comedians, and I've done like other ones without comedians too. And it's right. always like I go into it and I'm like I'm gonna have to tell them the stop moving the fucking microphone because they just don't even think about it right they're like oh i'm gonna set it my arms tired i'm gonna set it down you're like no that's can't do that (laughs) you can't do that right thank you um yeah so i was not worried about you when it drives me crazy when i see comics doing that yeah even at a mic yeah but they're not gonna be comics for very long i'm like what are you doing nobody can hear you anymore yeah yeah uh i mean they're either gonna figure it out or really quit so i guess (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I, it's kind of nice about comedy where like you can kind of think like an asshole. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. 
I don't really care. There's so many other comedians that are so good that are not getting stage time. I'm like, if this kid can't figure out how to hold a microphone, like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> who it's also cares? indicative of, like, other problems in your comedy. It's not like you're a killer and you're just your main problem is you don't know where to hold the mic in relation to your face. That'd be pretty funny. It would be pretty cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, I probably like, wouldn't let them know either. I'm if they were that good. Well, only like if, if like, I really I could, liked them, I help them, and then like maybe they remember me in like a year. Yeah, like, remember when I gave you that tip about right. where to hold the microphone? See, I think I would like think you were a huge dick. Yeah. Like if I was starting off and you were like, you're really bad at holding the microphone. I'd That's be your like, criticism. Fuck you. Like, by the way, your writing is fantastic. <laughs> your timing's really good. But like when it comes to holding the microphone, you fucking suck. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, I have cerebral palsy. And you're like, wow. Like, well, That's, uh, you better figure it out. Figure that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> start working Leave it in the mic stand. Yeah. I don't know. I actually don't even know which one. I get cerebral palsy and muscular dystrophy. Are, I get them confused. Uh, yeah, I've never really thought about how they're different. I think they're both. I don't really even know what they in are. In the yeah. same, like, vein of like it's a physical. Right. Uh, is deformity still a word we can say? I don't think I, so. <laughs> I don't think you should say. That. Oh God yeah. damn! I mean, when did like that a, one go? I know. I just like yeah. said it. I was like, that feels like I'm gonna get in trouble for right. this. I think, given the context of like the rest of this conversation, it's fitting. But to be like, yeah, oh, we're making fun are... of a cere- <laughs> of yeah. a comedian with cerebral, cerebral palsy, palsy, a fake comedian. This is not a real person. I'll throw that. I've out only there. seen two, not that have cerebral palsy, but two comedians. One, I've only seen two comedians. Wow, it's you and me. <laughs> we're gonna be brilliant. We're gonna make it. Yeah, it doesn't even I matter. Think, there's no competition. I think we're gonna make it. But there's a lady who I see at mics every once in a while, and she her deal is I guess she was in a car accident. Mm. And so she walks with a cane. That's her shtick. That's her whole shtick. <laughs> I don't even know if I'd buy it. But she walks with a cane and she has like a speech impediment. Uh-huh. And then there is an older dude who I see him like once a month, maybe, maybe less. And he's like 50 something. And he walks with a cane and he's severely disabled. Mm. And he has speech impediment, everything. And then he just has like the most vulgar and raunchy material. But like because he's old and he walks with the thing, and he's like calling out girls that are like at the mic. It's disgusting. Wow. But it's fun. Is it? I mean, like. It's like nobody's going to yell at this guy. Yeah. If I said or you said any of the things that that guy was saying on stage, nobody would be okay with that. Still be doing better than I am right now. Yeah. (laughs) How long are you in, by the way? Uh, I'm close to three years. Okay. So it'll be it'll be three years uh, in like late February. And you're from Detroit? I So I lived there. Like, my mom lived there when I was growing up, so I spent all of my weekends there. Mm-hmm. But I was mostly in Grand Rapids on the west side of the state. Okay. So my weekends were spent, like, driving across the state of Michigan. You're from Michigan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then did you start comedy here? Yeah. it was. Uh, I was actually just talking about this with uh, a guy last night about, like, the benefits and the downsides of of starting in New York. Um, overall, I'm glad I started in New York because I don't think I would have, like, when I started, I, like, started. I was, right. I started doing, like, four mics a week immediately. Right. Um, where, like, if I did that in my hometown, it would have been, like, two mics. I would have thought I was better than I was. Sure. Like, just the... I. 
there are some benefits and this is what i was saying last night of like there are people in the city who saw me go up in the first two weeks of me ever doing comedy Mm -hmm. and they still for the rest of my life are gonna think i suck that was (laughs) what i thought of anna bianco really because she when i went to my my first (laughs) ever mic Uh uh-huh she was there Okay. And I'd, I'd actually gone to an open mic like a week or two before that just to see. I tried to go up and they were full. I couldn't get on. So I just sat and watched it. And I didn't see her. Okay. But like two weeks later when I actually went to do my first open mic, I thought she was the girl that I saw. And oh. so I just started talking to her like before. And I'm shaking. I'm so nervous. And I'm talking to just her. because you've never talked to a girl before. Yeah, exactly. It had nothing to do with the comedy. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was sweating <laughs> profusely. And I'm talking to her, and I'm like, so I talked to her in the beginning. I thought she was somebody else. She had no idea what I was talking about. And then I go, I get on stage, and I bomb. I don't even fill the time. I think I did. I have the recording, actually, on my phone. I did Yikes. like three minutes and 53 seconds. You're going to put that out when you're like 40 years in? and, and I'm going to listen to it for the first time <laughs> when I'm when I'm one year in. On like my one-year anniversary. I'm oh, I always forget it. you're not a, yeah, you're I'm not like, a year in Like yet. almost 11 months now. Damn. But so I listened or no, I talked to her. I go up, I bomb. And then she followed me mm-hmm. and she had some like riff or whatever. It doesn't matter about my set. And it got like a big laugh. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I was like imprinted on her like a like okay. a baby bird. Yeah. That just, so to me, I had this very significant experience that was bookended with interactions with her. Yeah. And to her, she didn't remember that at all. And so okay. when I was like maybe yeah. seven or eight months later when I was like talking to her more, I mentioned it to her and she's like, oh, yeah, I don't actually remember that no. happening. Yeah. And you never like, I don't know. I looking back, I guess maybe that's the paranoid part of me. That's like, oh, yeah, these people are always going to think I They're suck. But I was like, about me. I don't yeah. remember the the kid who started out when I was like a year in. Doing I don't remember open anybody mics. like yeah. you would have to bomb so yeah. badly at a mic for me to like months later be like i remember that fucking guy well i'd have to keep seeing him there are people have that to keep i him and that i will say keep bombing yeah for me to be like oh yeah but <laughs> yeah that, but i also would just be like, yeah that guy sucks that would be the only yeah. thing yeah it's like when is that guy gonna quit right um but again yeah, I don't also know. Like, i am if they a little don't, full of myself but then it's fine because then you're just you're now you're in like the same group as that person kind of so like you're compared to them it's like you're both calling yourself comics and that dude sucks and you don't. So it's like, I don't know. It's I like mean, if we're competing with each other, I'm fine with competing with that dude. Well, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the like competition thing just because like there are, there are no bookers or there are very few people for like you and me where like a booker is going to be sitting there thinking like, who do I put on this show? Right. All right. I have a choice between Corey and Eli. Right. Like that just doesn't happen. No, uh, I, I never there are booked. like, there are, I think single digits of people that each person has that with, right. and they're probably pretty similar. And probably you can guess 90% of the time, which one's going to be picked just based off like relationships. So right. I don't really, Nepotism. I don't really think about the, the competition aspect, but how many times do you think you would have to see someone who you previously thought sucked do? Okay at a show before you decided that they were actually okay at a show or at a mic uh because i, I guess think that's either, a legit I guess either thing. one because like 
No, because I've seen people that I'm like, I see them at mics and I've seen them a handful of times, enough for me to be like, this is what I think of you. You're not good at this. And then I'll see them one time at a show do really well. And I think that's a legit thing. I think somebody can just play a room differently because you laugh at different things. Comics are going to laugh at different things at a mic than real people are going to laugh at in a room. Yeah. So I think that dude or chick or whatever, if I saw them do well even one time at a show, I'd be like, all right, well, at least they maybe they got lucky. Maybe it was a hot room, whatever. But I mean, they did well. That's fair. So I would I would at least know that they have the capacity to do well. But I don't know. What I more look for, and I'm, I'm not looking, but what I observe is like if you get up and you bomb at a mic, which doesn't matter at all. Yeah. But if you bomb at a mic, but it looks like you, you have a plan or yeah. like you kind of – you have things you want to talk about and you're executing and there are punchlines and like maybe none of it's funny and none of it's working. Yeah. But you at least look like you know what you're doing. That I think is better than getting up and, and just going off of energy and personality with no punchlines, no clear joke structure because I'm like you're not really doing comedy then. Yeah. I mean I, I feel that. I think that's like a, a preference sure. thing. Like, sure. Sure. Obviously, you have to have like some punchlines and and go there. I, especially at open mics, I really think it's like whatever. I, most people I think are going to start on one end and kind of work a little bit more towards, uh, as they develop like what they actually want to do. And generally, you become better writers. So like those people that are just full energy right at the beginning they're like right they're banking off you liking them and this is just a funny story and there's not really punchlines or whatever like they'll get better and move towards a more like traditional like good writing while still keeping that energy where someone who's who starts on the opposite end of the spectrum is going to figure out how to be more charismatic on right. stage and and from like i was um talking with dustin chafin last night who like he he started off with Nate Bargatze, or mm -hmm. started off. He was helping to run a club that Nate Bargatze started off at, and he was saying cool. on his podcast with Nate, like it honestly took like two and a half years of Nate just like bombing and bombing and bombing because nobody like understood what he was trying to do, and he wasn't even there right. yet. Like he started off as like like he's he's even hard to describe now like it's right. like it's stories and there's like kind of punchlines but not really not and concrete, it's just yeah. like it's um and he was like dust was saying like it was literally like one month you kind of figured it out and people like started catching on and it's it's just from from practice so i think right. from what i would say there is like I guess if if people suck right when they start and then they continue to suck, it's hard not to like look down on them. Right. But most people but do at least like get a little better. How much time do you give somebody? You know, because this type of thing I feel like could take a long time to figure out what what you're even trying to do. Yeah, and then that can change. Yeah. So I mean, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I think from <laughs> from when I started, I've been doing kind of the same thing. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's, I've gotten a little bit better at it. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not saying like you're going to completely shift. Right. But I don't like, think I will. Cause my favorite comics, one of my, it's like Tom Segura, it's Nick Bargazzi, dudes that have that kind of like style, which is mm -hmm. like, it's more of, it's a, it's a bit, 
it's worked out obviously but there's not like a clear punch it's not like a setup punch kind of thing it's more just like presenting this information to you with the right tone to it that it's very funny yeah yeah i get that and it's you gotta you gotta stay true to yourself and like in what you're trying to do i like i've I've tried this as a joke a couple times um because almost everyone starts off doing this is like your first joke is always about yourself and i've tried Mm -hmm. to start this off of uh so where i grew up like west michigan is very not diverse like it's dutch and just white fucking people and like for the longest time i couldn't tell if someone was jewish or not by like features name literally any that i had no like to the point where i was like in world war ii why didn't jewish people just lie and say they were christian so i was like it's just a there's no like it's just a religion right Mm -hmm. so like that was and i had a kid in my in my school whose last name was berkowitz and i had no idea he was he was Jewish. You didn't know that guy was Jewish? I had no fucking clue because I had never been, like, told. The reason I now can, like, tell is because as soon as I moved to New York, literally every single Jewish comedian that was, like, starting off would start with, I'm Jewish. And yeah. you see 75 of them in a month, and you're like, oh, I'm picking up on trends. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting this. There's a similar, I think, kind of energy. In, in the way that uh, Jewish micros especially kind of are on stage. They, I think... Right, Explain. I think assume and, and for the listeners, Eli the, the, is Jewish. If <laughs> yeah, it was going to make you happier. <laughs> By the way, that drives me crazy. I like... I will say sometimes on stage I'm Jewish. Yeah. Uh, and I have a shirt I wear a lot that has Hebrew letters on it. <laughs> but... And, and I am Jewish. So you're who I'm talking about. Right. I'm that dude. But like... I don't know when somebody like if you're going to write a bit about being Jewish or some aspect of Judaism and it's deprecating or whatever. And you do the part up top where you like kind of be like, I'm Jewish. Like, so this is cool. Mm -hmm. That bothers me. That's never been said before. They don't say it like I'm that, Jewish, but so like, this yeah, is I cool. can get away with That's... this. Yeah, <laughs> but that is a legit thing. Oh, like, cool. Somebody... You mean like this is okay? It's okay. No, yeah, Got not it. being Judaism meant... is cool. cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's like That's it, hip. Now. I was just thinking like the the youth pastors for Christianity who are like right. playing guitar and trying to be cool and get people yeah, into God. Kosher is cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. That's a great shirt That's right a there. Good, good tag for the Jews. <laughs> that should be for the That's, Damn, when you start selling merch, that's I, what you got to do. I was I was at the pair the other night, and there was a Comic-Con, and it doesn't matter who, but they're they're good. They're very good, very mm-hmm. strong writer, great stage. They're good. They're I mean, years in, they should be good. Mm-hmm. And the comic did a bit, something about Judy. It wasn't anti-Semitic. It wasn't offensive, but it just, like, touched Judaism, and it was very different from everything else they were doing before that. And, mm-hmm. like, it didn't hit very hard. And you could see that, like, it affected the comic. And then after that, he's like, I'm Jewish. Does that make it better? And, like, that kind of thing bothers me. Where it's like, okay, I had a bit about... Um, I think that just means it wasn't a good enough joke. Correct. Okay. 100%. I had a bit about um, Anne Frank. And it was it was a dumb bit. Like, it was it was a very silly joke. Sure. And I was doing it at a, at a mic, actually, a few months ago. And it was doing well in the room, 
but this one older lady was sitting there and she wasn't laughing at all. And she's a comic. It was a mic and she's not laughing at all. And I looked down at her at one point. I'm like, you don't like this. And she's like, are you Jewish? I was like, would that fucking make it funnier for you? Is that going to make it? That just <laughs> it is going to mean that it's okay for you to laugh at this thing. So if I say yeah. yes, then you're like, oh, then I can laugh about this. But if I say no, then you're like, you shouldn't be talking about that. So I'm, that's just the way I feel about it is that if, it, if the joke is funny, anybody should be able to say it. I mean, obviously there are certain. There's lines. There are lines. But yeah. Yeah, that people shouldn't cross. But I think if the joke is funny, it should be able to stand by on its own but like i don't know if i think about a jewish comic and you i think about like ethan victor to me is just like okay. yes look, i don't look know at this guy you don't know ethan victor uh-uh. yeah he's almost I, like I may have met him no jewish to... propaganda oh. yeah he's just got like this kind of like neuroticism about him he's a okay. like, skinny white guy in his 20s which you could almost assume like any That's white every comic. comedian yeah every white comic <laughs> in their 20s i would say about like 45 percent of them are jewish yeah with their guys yeah just a ton of them so where are you at, like, if, uh, if like, random people are making, like, Holocaust jokes or somewhere around there? Like, is it if is, funny, is the line harder to get to? With me, I think... For, I guess, just in general and, and for you. My line of decency with stuff like that is pretty... Far. I mean, I tell in conversation, I'll tell Holocaust jokes. I think that if they're well, funny, yeah, they're you, funny. Right. But me, I, yes. I, right. But here's the thing. If you were to make one to me, yeah, right, in conversation, and like, especially if it's like a bunch of us just like hanging out, right, mm-hmm. and you make, maybe not even a Holocaust joke, but just like a, an anti-Semitic joke. Sure. If it's funny, it's funny. I'll, I will think it's funny. But it gets weird to me when somebody makes a joke. And this has happened to me a bunch of times where somebody will like say something like, oh, Jews. Like that's like their punchline. And I'm like, that has nothing to do <laughs> with what we're talking about. So like you just want to good. say it and you know I'm Jewish. So you just want to say it to me. Yeah. Well. Which that out. makes it weird. Right. Because it's like, it's not yeah. a clear joke. It's not funny. And just like an, an uncomfortable thing to say. It's not, it doesn't offend me, but it's like, oh, you're, I don't think if I, if I weren't here and it were no Jews in this circle, I don't think you would have made that joke. I think you're making it. Oh, I am okay. thinking about one person in particular. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, you're not, so, it would be very difficult to offend me with, uh, with right. an anti-Semitic or a Holocaust joke. I I guess it's it's interesting to me that um like why do you think that is that that they would like perform like with are they just trying to like rib you for being jewish or like because obviously the the person probably doesn't mean it no i don't like, think there they're like an anti-semite anti- yeah. there are there are a couple anti-semitic some, uh, I know comics that are comics like but self-proclaimed uh, holocaust deniers yeah and, yeah uh, they're and they'll interesting. talk to me about that. <laughs> yeah. And I have like a bit about like my grandmother escaping a concentration camp. <clears throat> and so it's like this one person who's heard that will like talk to me about the Hollywood. He's like, you really believe six million people? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I do believe that. And I'm like, I don't know, man. So and wait, I'm like, but you don't believe it just because what? Like the number is so big? Yeah. Wait, does he believe that your grandma got out? But it's just like not that She was like many? one of like 150 people. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like it's just not that many people. <laughs> 
That's but crazy to me. It is crazy. So he's like, like, yeah, they I killed a know. few, but like not enough. Like they probably killed some. It gets too much attention. But that's like also to me, that's the silliest way to be a Holocaust denier, which is like you 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 believe that it happened, but you're like, I think it was maybe like a hundred thousand people, which is like that's still a lot of people. It's not yeah, six million. It's a shitload of people. But it's just like you're saying that they're just inflating the numbers, not the crime. And you're talking yeah. about like the worst crime ever perpetrated which is what the holocaust was yeah yeah for sure so that to me is like that's actually quite offensive but again you know he's a comic he's joking around i don't really give is a shit. he though like and that's i see, believe that's that what that i was that... trying to get to with the like is the line harder to get to like the acceptable line depending on what you're talking different. about and where you're coming from. I okay, I think I, I feel this way though. Okay, let's say it's a group of like five comics hanging out. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm one of them. And let's say I'm the only Jewish person, which is actually rare. Yeah, it's pretty York, rare. Right? In the but let's West just Village. say I, I was. <laughs> and we all know each other. And somebody made an anti Semitic jokey remark. Uh huh. I really don't think I'd be that offended. But if I were hanging out with four other regular people, not comics, yeah, and they weren't Jewish, and somebody made the exact same remark, I would be more likely to be offended. Interesting. And because with comics, you're always trying. Like if you're hanging out, everybody you understand where they're coming from. Yeah, and everybody's just trying to get a laugh, and everybody's right. just trying to one up each other, and everyone's trying to say the funniest or the edgiest thing or or whatever. Everybody's hanging out saying fucked up shit. But with regular people, if I'm like, if you say that to me, then like, you're only saying that because I'm Jewish. Like, that's just, I'm also more likely to believe like you actually believe what you just said to me. Okay. So you got like a sliding, you got like comics making dumb Jew jokes just because they can. Right. And then you've got the regular person making Jew jokes that's not as acceptable. Like they just believe that. And then you've got the comic who is like, Clearly, anti-Semitic Holocaust denier. Would you put regular Holocaust deniers above the comic who's a I would in terms of offensiveness, or are they just kind of one group at that point? Like at that point, it's so like they're serious, so it doesn't matter what your profession is. I mean, if you were like (laughs) a Holocaust denier and you like don't work in like funny at all, then I would say (laughs) that yeah, that's that's like the worst one to me. Yeah, if you just earnestly believe, like, that shit didn't happen. I hope someday I'm funny enough that I can become a Holocaust denier, and you'll be like, yeah, he's earned it. He's I don't know. It, he worked man. really yeah. hard it's, for a lot of years. binary. He's getting and, uh, laughs. So. <laughs> he's only really playing, like, one kind of room. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. He's got a pretty firm it's Mostly in the middle of audience. Ohio. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, anti-Semitism is really on the rise right now. So you would have yeah. potentially more work. Went from, like, 12 people to... 17 it's crazy to me was, yeah. <laughs> no 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 but like it is crazy to me how much it like, is. that is still around and how much is like when they had the the oh, what, Char- charleston in virginia the guys the the proud boys riding with the tiki torches yeah in uh, charlottesville charlottesville that's what it was yeah. they were walking around chanting jews will not replace us yeah and it's like, um, what are you First and there off, was just uh, the one that I thought to move of down there, but was the um, 
the I guess in West Virginia there was like a class full of like uh, police officer cadets, and in their like class photo, they all decided to do the Nazi salute, and like yeah. all of them got suspended, and then like the three like people that were in charge got like straight up fired, and we we're like, just my my first thought on that was like. Coming from a place where, like, I didn't think I knew any Jewish people, and it's right. not like, like, how are you so tone deaf? Right. Because I at least would have known that's not acceptable. Right. right. And it's not like I grew up in New York where, like, Jewish people are very prevalent. But it's like, I, I guess from my perspective, I just don't see how they could, like, just the, the tone deafness of it. I don't but know. But I think it's not even, like, a a tone deafness. I think it's that they don't care. And like, they actually, I would imagine a lot of these people actually are anti-Semitic that they don't, they don't like Jews. So that was going to be my next question is like, how many of, where do you think the, the percentage is in terms of like people that believe mostly all right stuff and don't care about Jewish people and what the percentage is on the all right that actually actively hate Jewish people is. Well, when you're saying alt right, what do you mean? Like the, the, the people that are down in Charlottesville, the people that are doing Nazi salutes, or let's that say, are, let's say are, the Nazi salute photo. They are white photo. supremacists who wouldn't identify themselves as white supremacists is essentially what we're talking about, right? Sure. Yeah. Like they have a very specific club. Not anyone could. Even if they were to say like, no, I'm cool with Jews, like they wouldn't let me in. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I would assume... That's you're, what I would, I would assume you're correct. Yeah. I uh wasn't that the point of the uh what was that movie that just came out with uh, Adam Driver and uh the KKK Black Klansman. Black Klansman. That yeah. was literally the, the plot of that is the right. Jewish guy joining Jewish, yeah. the KKK. Um yeah, I don't know. I I Yeah, the KKK, I they never, don't like Jews. No, they yeah. definitely don't. I am curious what the KKK numbers are at this point. Like there's there's the alt right and the white supremacist and like mm -hmm. kind of those people, but I don't think they identify as the KKK. But the KKK is somewhere. Oh yeah, they're still around for sure. They're still kicking. It's it. just it's baffling to like because if you live here and you're surrounded by people, like if I hear somebody in public say something that's like racially, like not even racist, but like it's yeah racial, racially charged. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say charge, just like if I hear somebody I don't know say that in public, like I perk up. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? But like that's living yeah. here where you're surrounded by so many different types of people. And like it's it would be rare to meet like a, a true racist, you know, in yeah. New York City. Like that would be crazy, man. Yeah. It's like, one of the most liberal places you could live. It's uh... versus like if you're gonna go to, you know, Jefferson City is in missouri i think like if you're gonna go there things uh, would be so. totally different i think that that's actually mark norman's joke he's like i don't know how you'd be racist in new york city it'd just be exhausting right yeah, yeah that's perfect <laughs> yeah that's a great way to say that it's just too much going on but i but it happens i mean like sure the i the mean any, i wonder the how anti-semitic guy that's like here it's like or the well okay is there a difference in your mind between someone who is a Holocaust denier and someone who is anti-Semitic? Yeah, because I think that, okay, I would imagine any Holocaust denier 
is anti-Semitic. Got it. Right? So it's, yeah, but I would also ima- like, I mean, going. Nazis were anti-Semitic and they didn't deny that the Holocaust was going on as they were, you know, it's true. Making it happen. Right. So even Adolf Eichmann at his trial in like 1960, like he fully admitted that the Holocaust happened. He just like tried to shirk responsibility for it. Right. So do you think that like the, the Holocaust deniers that we know are anti-Semitic? I think by definition, you'd have to be at least somewhat. And I don't think that anti, like, I don't think you'd have to ardently hate Jews. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would have to be that kind of thing, but like essentially you're discrediting the claim in order to discredit something that has so much evidence that it happened. Yeah. You would have to be like, oh, come on, man. Like, you're complaining about this. Like, that that would be anti-Semitism, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not the one that's going to set the definition here. So, right. yeah, I mean, course. it's it's really, it's one of those, like, um, it's it's kind of like in what we're in what we're going through as a country right now like we're we're learning that these definitions are not based off like hard exact wording and and stuff like that these definitions of are are based off like feeling and so it's right. not like for me to to say something that someone else deems is racist what that means is like that is racist to them they took it right. as racist and right. so well for, if you're deeming it that means that it crossed your line of what racist is, which also could mean I misunderstood sure. what I heard, you know? Yeah. Cause so much of that. And I do believe that, that intent is so much is so, so heavily involved in something mm-hmm. racist, right? You could say something you shouldn't have said. And then on reflection, let's say if you hear a recording of yourself saying it, or somebody repeats back what they heard to you, yeah. you'd be like, yes, that's not how I meant for that to come across at all. And that's why I edit this after we do it. Good. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, make it sound a lot worse. Um, but yeah, I think a huge part of that is intent. And that goes so back if you're to gonna what you're going to say that like, I don't believe the Holocaust happened. Like that's pretty cut and dry to me. Like you're saying, I don't believe this happened. And it's like, dude, the camps are still there. It's like, what are you going to, what are you saying that like, the Those Jews were for, summer for some camps. right. It was that it type was, of like a pleasant they, retreat. Uh, they did yeah. archery and they and, just left all the uh, shoes out there. Riding. For yeah, well, they had a barefoot reason. tug of war match, so that's what those. That's shoes what the whole thing was from. about. Yeah, it's exactly. actually. I remember when I was a kid, I was taking some history class, and uh, we were talking about the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and the teacher talked about Holocaust deniers, mm-hmm. and then he went into because we, your whole life, you're taught this happened. Right. Yeah. And like me personally, like my grandmother escaped to camp. So yeah. like I heard that story from, from my father and my mother many, many times. And so to me, like this is what happened. And I'm from North Jersey. It's a pretty liberal area where I grew up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is, these are the facts of history. Never heard another opinion. I didn't know that somebody could deny that that happened. Right. I, I could imagine yeah. when I was like 12 or 13, somebody could be very supportive of it happening, but to deny that it happened would be crazy to me. I never even thought about that. Wow. So I was taking some okay. history class and the teacher was going into Holocaust deniers and like some of the claims that they made and the claims that he put forth. I mean, they weren't his ideas, but he was just teaching a class, <laughs> right? Those were actually really interesting that you're like, how could, all right. World war two starts September 1st, 1939. Yeah. Right. And it's a very different war 
mm-hmm. from World War One. Mm-hmm. World War One starts in early August, I want to say August 1st or something, 1914, ends in November 1918. Up until a few months before the end of World War One, anybody could have won that war. Germany yeah. could have won that war. Yeah. They could have. Mm-hmm. And they also... They started it, you could make that that case, but they weren't the clear aggressors in that war. In World War One. In World War One. It wasn't no, like yeah, World was, War Two, where World War Two really had a bad guy. Yeah. The Axis right. powers. Right. Specifically Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. But World War Two, it's a longer war. It goes from September first, nineteen thirty nine. All the shit that happened before it also, from like nineteen thirty eight, the Anschluss, which is when the Germans uh, annexed Austria and they annexed uh, a bunch of Czechoslovakia, including Prague, uh-huh. uh, without firing a single shot. Yep. Right? But you could say that's an act of war. But the war starts when they invade Poland September 1st, 1939, and it ends in like May 1945. It's a six year war. Yeah. About. But everybody knew the Germans were going to lose that war from like 1943. As soon as America came into it. No, it was actually, they had, um, they fucked up. It was a very <laughs> mismanaged war. Sure. They did. They well, basically, yeah, they, they shouldn't have fought Russia too. Right. That okay, so I'm going to try and make my, my point before we go into that. That's okay. like, so the, the Holocaust, the final solution, um, that comes from the Vansi Conference, which was a conference uh, hosted by Reinhard Heydrich, who was like the head of the SD, mm-hmm. which was the intelligence force under the SS. So he's like number two to Heinrich Himmler, who's credited as being the architect of the Holocaust. Right. His deputy, Heydrich's deputy, is a guy named Eichmann, who like he kind of did the logistics of the Holocaust. And they have a conference in January of... 41 or maybe 42 so right right around there that's yeah i believe it was 42 uh the vansi conference and that's like what are we gonna do with the jews before that they'd already killed a million of them right right but they didn't want to necessarily kill them they just didn't want them around right they wanted to deport them Eichmann's idea was to deport them to Madagascar. They came up with that idea in 1940. Hmm. Um, but for a bunch of reasons that would never work, specifically the naval blockade, <laughs> they couldn't defeat Britain. Got it. And Britain had a very powerful navy, so they couldn't ship yeah. them off. They tried to give them to Canada, Cuba, and America in 1938. They tried to ship cruise liners filled with Jews. And each of those countries was like, we don't want your fucking Jews. <laughs> so they said. They turned Damn. them right away. That's yeah. brutal. Almost all those people died. Wow. That's... But so that was the Vansi conference was when they're like, what are we going to do? And they're like extermination. And that's when the camps got set up, got the it. death camps. There were already concentration camps, which were concentration camps. Lots of people died there, but that's where they were putting Jews to concentrate them, get them away. Yeah. But so they start doing that, like executing the final solution in 1942. War's already been going on for three years. By 1943, Operation Barbarossa, which is when they invaded Russia in 41, has been underway for a couple years. And the Germans, who have now been defeated in 1940 in the Battle of Britain, the Luftwaffe, which is their air force, failed to defeat Britain's air force, RAF, and establish air superiority, which is how they right. took over all these countries. They had yeah. air superiority, they could bomb the shit out of people, and then march their Wehrmacht, which is the, the infantry, the German army. Yeah. They couldn't defeat the British. British pilots were too good. Um, 
so they have that going on. It looks like they're not just going to be able to easily win the war. 41 July, June, they invade Russia. And by 43, it's like, I don't know that we're going to be able to do this. <laughs> and then they focus a ton of soldiers and artillery, tanks mainly, in this massive tank battle in Russia. And they lose. Yep. And they lose thousands of tanks. Yeah. And from then on, everybody's like, Germany's going to lose the war. Everybody knows Germany's going to lose the war. Gotcha. Some of the German people think maybe they can like pull through, but they're being lied to by Goebbels, who's the head of propaganda. Uh-huh. Hitler himself believed that they could somehow win the war, but he wasn't a good strategist, and he wasn't the Reichsmarshal, which was a guy named Hermann Goring, who by this time is a heroin addict, is a morphine addict. <laughs> Um, wow. Yeah, the whole thing was horribly mismanaged. Got it. So the argument that I most liked for a Holocaust denier is you're talking about the Holocaust itself. is 1942 to 1945. That's mm-hmm. when they're like, they killed plenty of Jews before then. Yeah. Probably a million. But that's when they said, we're going to exterminate them all. Right. Right. That's when they, they made that plan. It's actually the records from the Vonsi conference that were some of the most incriminating records of the Holocaust and the Nuremberg trials later in like 1947, 1948, that when they found those records, they're like, no, you guys knew what you were doing. Yeah. But if you were to say that a country, Germany, is fighting a war on two fronts, a war that they don't believe that they can win, they don't have the resources, they're running out of fuel, how could they possibly also... At the exact same time, they it looks clear they're going to lose the war from 43, right? And it doesn't look good from 1940. In 1942, make the decision that they're going to allocate train cars. They're going to allocate men. They're going to allocate fuel. They're going to allocate all this energy to wiping out a race of people when wouldn't it make more sense that they would allocate all of this stuff to defeating the enemies on both these fronts. So that was the most compelling argument I ever heard. It's mm. bullshit, but it's the most compelling <laughs> argument I ever heard. Then when you hear somebody say like, no, I just don't believe it because of the numbers. It's like, what the fuck? That's a lazy argument. Yeah, That's that just, is you a, don't even. Yeah. It's like, okay, how, how much lower would the numbers have to be <laughs> for you to accept that this happened? Right. <laughs> right. Um, I think that was a Stalin quote that he says, oh, one death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a statistic. Yeah. It's true. Um, damn. I mean, that was a that was a history lesson. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know a lot oh, of that so stuff. Much but more it's more in there too. Yeah. But it's. I mean, it, it goes back to kind of the point of like the the anti semitism and the racism uh, that we're like seeing today is like it doesn't quite make sense because realistically, right. If the Germans weren't, if there wasn't so much hatred towards the Jewish people, mm-hmm. that's at least two million more soldiers. If they could have stood by them and yeah. like if they trusted them to fight with them, yeah. Then, but I mean, anti-Semitism, like, the Nazis never even come into power in the first place. Sure. Yeah. Sure, but it's. Yeah, so I guess, and if we're gonna keep going backwards, if yeah. Germany had won World War One, then they're prob- then the Nazis wouldn't have risen in the first place anyway. So yeah. um, probably not. But it's yeah. it's just like the the point is that like it all of this stuff is built off logic that isn't there, 
Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing today is like the, the people in Charlottesville chanting the Jews will not replace us. So like, okay, replace you where? In what? In your, I'm not moving to fucking, fucking Charlottesville, dude. Yeah. And most of them weren't even in Charlottesville. They just right. decided to to all meet up there, I guess. Um, and anti-Semitism in itself is fascinating. It's Because it's something, it doesn't make sense anymore. It used to make sense. A long, long, long time ago. They think that these are theories. Yeah, please. But the one I like is that anti-Semitism, European anti-Semitism, which is what eventually culminated in the Holocaust, it'd be like the climax of anti-Semitism in Europe, Uh started in Roman times during the Roman Empire. Interesting. And the idea behind it, that was known as like an ethnic anti-Semitism. The Romans are just expanding their empire, and that's how empires do. Yep. That's how an empire lives. It needs to expand, right? And so when an empire expands, it changes its demographic because you you now conquer, you're on the mountaintop, you conquer the people that are in the valley, the right. people in the valley, they either become slaves, soldiers, they become part of your empire. Right. So your empire changes. Yeah. Right? So eventually the Romans get over to Judea. Judea is filled with Jews. Those are the people that live there. Yeah. The Romans live in Rome. The Jews live in Judea. And the Jews were no match for the might of the Roman Empire. They're, they're conquered. Right? But it was never like they were never really cool with it. And so they had a, they had a really bad relationship. Yeah. So the Romans put, I think his name was. I can't imagine. Right. Of course. But like they'd been around for a long time. So they yeah. were able to resist a little bit better than other places. Right. Okay. The Romans, I think they put in Herod was the name, the dude that was the king of the Jews. They put him in place there, and he was kind of like a puppet. But the Jews were constantly rebelling, and the Romans were constantly squashing rebellions. Mm-hmm. And so just because of that had nothing to do with them being Jews, but they were Jews. It just had to do with them being uppity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They which were is they're, they're uppity people to, who happen to be Jewish. Yeah. They're trying to conquer these people. And yeah. These people keep on rebelling. So the, the Romans levied all these taxes against them. They, uh-huh. at one point, they kick all the Jews out of Rome. And it's just like they have these, these series of policies that are very anti-Jewish. Yeah. That are all in an effort to control an area of conquered land. Okay. So they hated the Jews ethnically like we hate the people that are from there yeah which is like you're essentially kind of at war with them like you almost it it's, makes yeah. sense for the time I mean, you're talking about 1500 2000 years ago it makes sense for it now it makes sense yeah i mean it but yeah. now the problem is that you're not saying the people from judea you're saying right. jews right right so like if you go back to the 1920s 1930s you're like no my neighbor and it's like well your neighbor's german bro like you, you're yeah. all the same people it doesn't matter and so they have this idea of ethnic Germans and racial anti-Semitism. Yeah. So it's now it's not that it's the people from over there. It's that I don't like you because you're a Jew, because you live. And then you have a whole thing of like in the Middle Ages during like the, the, the big boom of Christianity. Christians believed that like Jews had mythical powers because they made a deal with the devil. And that's where they think wow. the idea of like the Jewish cabal comes from. Uh, Jews can control the weather. Like it kind of actually comes from back there. So it's like you have all these things that like, yes, in, in ancient history and in the Middle Ages, sure, anti-Semitism makes sense. Believing in witches made sense. That's how you explained things. 
But today it doesn't make any sense. So when you have people walking, marching, saying the Jews will not replace us, it's like you're talking about a sentiment that's so antiquated, man, that it's like how could it actually have any bearing on your life? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not even it's hard to disagree with that. (laughs) I mean, it's uh, I've obviously never had a problem with it, like, but I I guess. The, inter- the the psychology of the people that do have the problem with it. Do you think it is, like, is it religious at this point? What like, do you mean the people where that have it a was? With so, it? Like, like, the, the people who are. Anti Semitism? Yeah. Anti Semites? Pe- yeah. The, the anti Semites. Do you think it is, like, religious based compared to, like, the Romans that were ethnic based? Because, no, I like, think it's racial still. Well,. But you you'd about, have to you'd have to define Judaism as a race of people if you're gonna if you're gonna hate them I think because that that would be the same type of anti-Semitism that the Nazis had, which is that it would actually be considered racial anti-Semitism because you're trying to exterminate this race of people you're trying to eradicate yeah. them it's not it's not yeah, their yeah. religion but is it like it's not because it's not their ideals you necessarily have a problem with it's them. That you have a problem with. I guess I mean the the modern day anti-Semite, and not the the I do think that it's, day. I think it's an extension compare, of the same thing. Well, compare uh, Italians and um, Irish, okay, to the Jewish people that were coming over here. Now I I realize the Jewish people had it worse than the Irish and mm-hmm. uh, the Italians, but there was some sense of um, just like disagreement among the people over whether they should be coming into the country or not um and do you think the reason that they were more accepted now italians and irish is because they are christian they celebrate the same holidays it's just one less thing that is different in the minds of these current anti-semites yeah it could be also, there's anti-Semitism in Italy and there's anti-Semitism in Ireland. Well, that's true. So they true. could yeah. be, you know. I'm talking about the Americans specifically, right. but uh, why they would accept these groups of people and not still accept the Jews? Yeah. I mean, what yeah, do you think that stems be, from? It could be religious similarity. Um, where do I think what stems from? The willingness to accept a certain group of people. Sure. I don't even know that they necessarily do. Because I know that for for a long time in this country, white really meant white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Yeah. So it's like you weren't just – it wasn't enough that you were white. It was that you, you couldn't really be Irish. You couldn't really be Italian. You couldn't be Spanish. That wasn't really white. You needed to be from, like, Britain, that right. type of Anglo-Saxon. And then even Catholics weren't – it was you wanted to be Protestant. That's what, right. That's what white people were. So well. the Ku Klux Klan in their heyday, they were white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Right. Yeah, but that's why I'm, I'm trying to make the distinction between the modern. I don't think they would have had the same the hatred modern. for Italians as they would for – but even if – yeah, Italians weren't considered white in this country for a long time. But that's why I'm trying to make the distinction of the, the modern-day anti-Semite and not um, – and may, maybe the KKK is, yeah. is there. Obviously, they're against gay marriage and against – a lot of other social rights that like you and me look at and go, yeah, of course. Duh. Right. Um, I just admit, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out the, the mental gymnastics that they're going through 
to get to the point of physical exertion. That's not <laughs> yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. That's really it's really hard to get people to go out and march when, somewhere. When when the Nazis took over Germany in 1933 and eventually 1937 at the Nuremberg rallies, which they held annually. Mm-hmm which is a pep rally for Nazis, didn't every single year in Nuremberg. They passed the Nuremberg a pep laws. pep rally for Nazis. That's what it was. That's it was great. a pep rally for Nazis. giant eagles and like <laughs> what they called stormtroopers walking around. Yeah. Brown shirts. I'm sure it was an event. Oh, I'm sure it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It was a bunch of people that are just white nerds. Just yeah. nerdy about being white. That's their whole thing. Yeah. But they all passed my jokes are. all these laws in 1937 restricting the rights of Jews, which mm-hmm. was, by the way, right. not the first time that happened yeah. in Europe, right? First time it <laughs> happened in Germany for about like 60 or 70 years. In 1871, yeah. about Jews were protected in Germany for the first time in a while. Mm. Anyway, pass all these laws, and one of them is like... Uh, intermarriage you can't intermarry a jew and a non-jew cannot marry mm-hmm. things like restricting their rights of property blah, 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 all this stuff making them essentially like even though they're from here their family may have been in let's say berlin for 10 generations they're aliens they're not one of you they're not ethnic germans okay and when they did that because they had to define now if you're saying a jew can't earn a certain amount of property own i'm sorry or a jew and a non-jew can't intermarry you're talking about legal proceedings right yeah Yeah. so you have to have now a legal definition of what's a jew they had to like they had had conferences about this (laughs) they'd like scratch their heads and like what is a jew and i just write it on a big whiteboard what is a jew no for real (laughs) they spent so much energy thinking about this stuff like the the holocaust was known as the final solution to the jewish question years they were trying to figure this stuff out problem i think it was the jewish question is how it but i i think um how it i'll believe you yeah okay i mean interesting yeah but so I believe what they eventually settled on was if you have three Jewish grandparents, okay, you are considered a Jew. Got it. Yeah. So so you can have up to two and not be considered Jewish. So like if my grandpa on my mom's side married a non-Jew and my grandma on my dad's side married a non-Jew and they were both Jewish, and then I'm no good. one else, and, and then, then nobody no more Jews else in your family. Yeah. Well, what if like a cousin? Married a married a Jewish person. I think you'd be would okay. That, you'd be okay. I think you would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not my cousin. And it's better not to have that kind of that blood. <laughs> in it. But yeah. Oh, it's really. It's a crazy time. Man. It's a fascinating period of history. Yeah. Yeah. Early twentieth century history, especially European. Yeah, and I and I knew a decent amount of it in terms of like war and uh, like strategy and and one of the other episodes that of this podcast that we've done have, were about like uh, how Americans uh, decide or like are very militaristic and and nationalistic and like the changes that have happened over time. But this is interesting to to I think it's a very different perspective of just like okay, what is the psychology behind all of this, uh, like the start of all of these things happening in Europe, like finding someone to blame just 
just because they're like just enough different. Yeah. Um, and also, you're picking a scapegoat that like there's nothing new there. Yeah. People have had problems with them for a long time. The problem uh, when people say something like they compare Donald Trump to Hitler. Yeah. I don't, whatever. I don't generally agree with it. <laughs> I understand what they're saying a lot of times. I don't agree with it. But there are a lot of similarities between certain factions in this country. We're talking about alt right movements and white nationalism and what was going on in Germany just over, or no, just about 100 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like the rise of, because that's what the Nazi movement was. Right. There were the German, the National Social Workers Party. Right. The name of their thing, translate it to German, it was like N A S D P or something. And then the nickname was the Nazi Party. Yeah. But they're white nationalists. Yeah. Is what they are. They're, they're a bunch of people very frustrated with the state of affairs in their country, mm-hmm. meaning that a lot of them were veterans of World War One. Yep. Hitler specifically. Yep. Hermann Goring was essentially, he was Reich Marshal in, in Germany under the Third Reich, and he was, means he's the head of the military, and he was like the number two for a long time. Uh, Rudolf Hess, I believe, was also um, a veteran. I'm not sure. But anyway, all these guys that they fought for Germany in World War One. They really believed in Germany. And then Germany surrenders. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Are you kidding me? And then they're levied with all these billions and billions and billions of dollars of... Damages, yeah, essentially. They have to pay back Europe. Yeah. And it wrecks their economy. Totally. And it pisses them off. Yeah. And so you have all these, these white people that are very proud. And they're very proud of their heritage. And they went and fought for what they were they were told they should do. Yeah. And then their their government in their eyes stabbed them in the back. So they're resentful at the government, they're resentful at the rest of the world, and they are resentful that there's there's such a proud people and they lost. And yeah. It it made them angry. And they wanted to blame somebody. They blamed the Jews. Yeah. Jews it, and the communists, by the way. They blamed the communists also very yeah. Hitler hated communists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, and this is, uh, mostly on topic, a little bit different from what you were saying. I had heard a theory that, um, and, and I don't know, did you ever read the book, um, in the garden of beasts? Mm -mm. It's, uh, a bunch of journal entries from the American ambassador to Germany when they're putting all these rules in for Jews. It's, it's super interesting, but, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that they talked about was, um, and I, I can't remember if the book specifically said it or if I heard this somewhere else. So I'm, I'm hoping that you can either say, no, that's dead wrong, or yes, I've heard that before, um, is that part of the reason that the Jewish people got blamed, besides the fact that people have been blaming them for thousands of years, is the fact that after World War One. Uh, the German economy was very poor and a lot of Jewish people emigrated to Germany where the money that they had gathered elsewhere was now worth more. So they were mm-hmm. essentially a wealthier class of people that just showed up and the average German who had been there forever suddenly had very little worth in the eyes of the world economy. Had you heard this theory before or I've never know anything heard about it? That. No, I've never heard that. I've never read that book, so I don't know. The but book is very heard... interesting. And I'm not saying the book said that because I, I right. think, I think, I'm 90% sure 
Um, but it, it's an interesting perspective on it because people have less sympathy for people that have more. Of course. And despite it being a horrible, horrible tragedy, mm-hmm. you you hear that and you kind of go, oh, that, that's a little, it's a little different. It's mm-hmm. not. But just instinctually, yeah, like, I've never, oh, I didn't know that. I've never heard that. Um, and it very well may be true that that happened. I mean, yeah. that Jews that had money in, let's say, I mean, it would have to be a country that wasn't involved in World War One, Right. Which is not many. No. Right? <laughs> that is true. So it'd have to be a country that wasn't involved. It would have to be one of the Baltic countries. You know, like Latvian Jews or something yeah. that have a lot of money. They would have to come down to Germany to move there because the German government was hit with such hard taxes, right? Yeah. What, what war indemnities? What do you call those? I mean, it was something like it that. was war Whatever. damages, really. Just they're hit with so much of that uh, that they come down there with their money and they're able to profit because they're the only ones with capital. Is yeah. what that argument would be. I understand that correctly. Yeah, and it, it's not even necessarily an argument; just kind of a, a right snapshot a take on. Yeah, on not not trying to not trying to minimize anything that happened. No, I'm of not saying not, like yeah. this. They were the point one percent, and of they deserve to yeah. be because they were hoarding well, shit. A couple things like, that yeah. Jews, especially European Jews, oftentimes tend to be wealthy. Tended to be wealthy. Okay, they did have. First off, there wasn't a lot of them. Okay. Relative to the rest of the population of Europe. Sure. And also for a long time, uh, things like working in financial services, right? Loaning money mm-hmm. uh, was not allowed amongst Catholics. I have heard this before. That's a sin. Yeah. Usury. Right. It's also a sin if you're Jewish, but eh. if you're poor. <laughs> but. For that reason, Jews during medieval anti-Semitism, they were excluded from many trades that other people could, you weren't like Jew was not allowed to be a blacksmith, something like that. Interesting. And so you limit, this is a theory I've heard, you limit the number of profession professions Jews can take, uh-huh. and then no Catholics are allowed to do money loaning. Jews who come from the Mediterranean and were merchants for a very long time. They have capital. So then you put them in a situation where it's like, well, you won't let me have any other job. Yeah. You're trying to grow an economy. Yeah. You need money. Yeah. I'll come and lend you money. And that's where that image of like the greedy Jew who's always asking for his money back because he lent it to you. It's like, well, it's the only job you would let him have. Yeah. So I think that is more believable to me that they would come in that they were already there and they already had money then that they came in to profit at the end of world war one, which I also, I believe, but I feel like that wouldn't be only Jews that did that. I feel like lots of people would have done that. Yeah. The problem with that's that a great, that's a great point is that they would come in with their money from, let's say another country. It wasn't the loss of wealth so much that affected Germany. It was the the rampant inflation. So it was that their right. money wasn't fucking worth anything right. anymore. You know? I mean, there are pictures of, like, kids with wheelbarrows full of cash going to get, Just like, a loaf, it on trying a to get fire. a loaf of bread. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. So it wasn't necessarily, like, our Great Depression where nobody had money anymore. But cash was king. It was over there. 
cash was worthless. Right. Because they had to just print and print and print money to pay back all these loans that they couldn't pay back. Yeah. That happened to them twice. Yeah. That happened to them right after World War One, which allowed the Nazis to really get a foothold. Mm-hmm. Right. In 1923, I believe it was, they had the Beer Hall Putsch, which was in uh, Hitler, Himmler, Goring, Hess. Uh, Eckhart and Ludendorff, who is a name that's not often associated with Nazis, but he was uh, he was a, he was a general or commander in World War One. He was a German hero, and he gave like credibility to the Nazi Party. They tried hmm. to take over uh, Munich, Bavaria, and then they were going to march on Berlin. That was their plan. The coup failed. It was a coup, is what it was. Hmm. It failed in 1923, but at that time. There was not much to eat in Germany. There wasn't much work. There, right. was, there was all these problems. It fails. Uh, that's when Goring was wounded. That's how he became a morphine addict. Uh-huh. He had to flee to Austria. He's taken morphine, so he's wounded in that. And uh, Hitler's thrown in jail. Right. Right. That's where he writes Mein Kampf. Yep. And uh, he gets out of jail, I think, less than like a year later. But he's banned from making any speeches for like five years. He can't be, <laughs> he can't be the face of the Nazi party, which right. is still around. Yeah. What an interesting punishment. Yeah. Can you imagine that happening Well, he had here? very high-placed friends, so he was supposed to go to jail right. for longer. It'd be like, say, instead of putting Trump in jail, we just take away his Twitter. Like, he's right. not allowed to be on Twitter. But, I mean, if you limit, especially in a time when, like, making speeches was how you connected with people. Yeah. If you limit somebody's ability to, like, yeah. connect with anybody, you really do take away a lot of power from it's them. It's true. But so he was still kind of like de facto head of the party, but he wasn't allowed to speak publicly. He broke it a bunch of times. But that's when Goebbels came up because Goebbels is a fantastic orator as well. That's how they became friends in that mm-hmm. period of time. But also in that period of time, uh, and unfortunately for the Nazis, things got better in Germany. Their mm. economy was on the rise. Yeah. People were making money again. And so it's really hard to come in and be like, the Jews are why you're living like this. When people are like, no, we're doing all right. Yeah. You know, things are right. good now. Like things are coming up. Like we don't want another crazy takeover. We don't want a war. Things are good in Germany again. And it was like that until about 1930 because in 1929 the US stock market crashed. And things were only good in uh. Germany because the United States was loaning them a fucking ton of money. Right. We we're loaning them all this money and that allowed them to expand their businesses. Um they're paying back their loans, whatever. In 1929, our stock market crashes. By like 1930, all these U.S. interests are like, hey, we need our money back. And so they call back all these loans. Nobody can pay them back. You can't pay back that much money. And right. so they start printing money again. Yeah. And before you know it, it's chaos again in Germany. And that's when all those pictures of like the wheelbarrows and the cash and everything. That's, that's yeah. where like the crazy hyperinflation came from. And the problem with it was like at the end of the war, that was going on. And then things got better. And then it happened again. And that was one of the luckiest things that ever happened for the Nazis because then they could capitalize on this like doom and gloom kind of thing that they're pitching people where you Mm -hmm. need the scapegoat and you need a strong socialist workers party. And those were the Nazis. Right. Their platform didn't make any sense if things are going well. Right. You know, if you're not marginalized or you don't feel marginalized, it's tough for somebody to be like, you need to hate these people. If you're like, no, everything's good, man. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, we did it again, but we brought it back to the modern day anti-semite is right. is the the blue collar worker in the middle of america i don't i i still like to me i still haven't gotten 
figured out how it always ends up with the Jews. Like these people that are it's the, wacky. These people that, that there's like feel, no Jews, by the way. Uh, I know there's almost eight billion people on the planet. There's about twelve million Jews. Exactly, but yeah. somehow it's always your fault. It's always so, making it snow. You know yeah. what? I think uh, I think that's a good place to end. Okay. Just deciding it's always the Jews' fault. It's always the Jews' fault. Yeah. But uh, Eli, thank you for doing this. Cool. Learned Thanks a lot. That was super interesting. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, good. Wow. Um, I made but, most of it up. But. <laughs> perfect well that's what we do here all right i'll talk to you later wicked thank you